America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And t- today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man comics from May of 1983. That's right, and uh, we've got two special guests. First, we have a returning guest. Can you introduce yourself, returning guest? Yes, uh, hi, my name's Adam Pelche. I'm a librarian at the Windsor Public Library and a comic book enthusiast, not to mention a bit of a Spider-Man fan, and I'm glad to be back on the Spider-Cast this week. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you're the, you're the quickest re- re-guest, or whatever it's called, that we've ever had. We enjoyed your uh, your guest appearance last time so much we had you back on as soon as possible. And also, It's because I bribed you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, 20 bucks, that's all it takes. And also this week, for the first time ever, even though we, we've invited you before, but you kind of ditched us, but we're not bitter, don't worry about it. Can you introduce yourself I to us, special guest? I never ditched you. Never <laughs> well, ditched you. Okay. But anyways, uh, <laughs> my name is Dave Constantino. Uh, I also work at the library, but I do other things like music and a radio show on CGM called Revolution Rock, also with Adam. And I like the Spidey. Awesome. You like Spidey. Yeah, tell us, like, did you grow up reading Spider-Man comics or what? Yeah, I did. I read uh, a lot of comics, actually. Uh, Spider-Man was one that I always read. Batman was another. Um, Superman, Green Lantern, basically and DC just, Marvel. <laughs> okay, and just to give us an idea, like a bearing, what was a re- do you remember your first issue of Spidey or what the story was? Or like what I, era? Uh, there's two eras, uh, the infamous uh, clone saga, okay, and then also, which I learned is actually, people don't like it, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite, which is the whole Carnage Venom thing, that's where really I started coming reading. Very cool, mm-hmm. very cool. Okay, so yeah, so we're obviously jumping back to 1983, so this is before your time, Dave. Have you read any Spider-Man comics from the 1980s? Maybe? I read okay. three. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, this is going to be exciting then. Okay, so we're going to start off this week by reviewing The Amazing Spider-Man number 240. Once again, with the return of The Vulture. I think, uh, Josh, we've seen The Vulture quite a bit since we've started the show, right? Yes, yeah, we have. All right. This week, though, it's... Roger Stern teamed with John Romita Jr. again, so this is going to be a good one, I think. So, basically, we open up the comic, you know, touching base on the gang wars that are going on in Spectacular. We touch base with, um, with uh, what's his name, Adrian Toomes? Adrian Toomes, yeah. Yeah, what a cool name. You know, I know, the first thing I noticed right away, did you notice, Josh, how different the art is this week? Yeah, it is a little different, and I wonder if it's because of the inking. A hundred percent. It's Bob Layton. Yep. This issue. Yes, he. I, I mean, he's most famous for doing Iron Man, but I mean, he is mm. 
a very rare artist that's most famous for his inks and it really makes this issue stand out like the attention to detail is great i really like yeah. it you know um so yeah basically we touch base with adrian tombs and he opens up a newspaper and sees this little um little ad that says Bestman Electronics will be there, the high-tech expo. And so I didn't know anything about this Bestman Electronics. I don't know if this has just like a, like been added in as like a backstory, but he's really pissed about something. And so he hangs up and he's like, he's got this scheme in mind. And so we, we cut over to Spidey and he's having this kind of dream about everything else that's been going on in his life, kind of summarizing what's been going on in the other Spider-Man comics. And then, um, you know, we get some classic Spidey action, you know, changing into uh, his costume, you know, going out his skylight. And then we touch base with this girl who's kind of been floating in and out of his life in the last few months, right? Um, what's her name again? Felicia. Uh, A- Amy, Amy Powell. Amy Powell, yeah. yeah. Right. She's oh. kind of been floating around in the background. Yeah, feel free to pipe in, Dave, anytime. It's all good. And then, um, and then basically... <laughs> so, so they... And again, a classic Spidey, you know, we, we see him, he, it's a little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of Rochester nostalgia swinging around. He sees his, um, his old high school that he went to, right? Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been there since he graduated, so he flashes back to all his pals that he had. And then he swings over to Queens and goes back to his Aunt May's house that he grew up with that he recently, that she's recently moved back into and has turned into a, well, she calls it a halfway house, right? But yeah, like a retirement home kind of thing. And so he's hanging out watching TV with Nathan Lubinsky, and then he notices the vulture on TV. So he's like, oh, i got to get out of here. So he takes off, changes it to Spidey. And then, he, uh, of course, we have fisticuffs, a great fight scene. And um, just, you know, again, classic John Romita Jr. art inked by Bob Layton. It's really more detailed and more polished than I think we've seen uh, Romita since we've started these reviews. But we get a really good and a very long um, fight scene. But as usual, because it's Stern and Romita, it's very well orchestrated. It's not just, you know, it's not just um, a Denny O'Neill kind of fill-in fight scene. Mm-hmm. It's very well put together. And then basically, it does end on kind of a cliffhanger. Spider-Man ends up falling supposedly to his death. So I guess this is the last issue and also the last episode <laughs> of Here Comes the Spider-Cast. So yeah, that's the end. <laughs> so um, let's start off with you, Dave. This is your first episode. Uh, what was your first impression of, uh, of this story? Is Spider-Man okay? No. Uh, <laughs> my first impression, it was good. Uh, um, I, now that you mentioned the guy that did the drawings, I, 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 when I was reading it, like I've read Spider-Man and I, I know that there's always different artists, but it, I couldn't really identify why it was different. But I did like it that... It seems a little smoother. I don't know. Um, but the story was interesting. You know, uh, the vulture, uh, you know, I, I don't know why he was so upset about the electronics guy. Uh, he was really old now, and uh, maybe he, you know, didn't get his money back when he tried to return some batteries. I don't know what happened with the vulture. But <laughs> he became this powerful guy and then Spider-Man killed him or whatever. No, he didn't kill him. But he fought him and some robots. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> it was an interesting story. I have a question. And of course about. there's robots. <laughs> of course. Right. Vultures, robots, spiders, and uh, other stuff. So what I wanted to ask was, a lot of these issues that you pick, they, they all kind of end on these like cliffhangers. Like, is that to get you sucked in to read the next time? Is that well, you'd point? have to ask Roger Stern that, but I, I bet you it is why they did cliffhangers. Absolutely. Sneaky and that's the other writing. thing is, yeah, like, it's the, we, again, we have to remind listeners, like we're not picking these because 
I know. for any special reason other than that they're chronological we're doing every issue of spider-man in the 80s okay. right so okay. mm -hmm. de definitely we come in in the middle of a story sometimes when we bring in well our they do and i find that kind of interesting because even if you follow spider-man you might not have read the spider-man from the 80s who knows when you came in right like i didn't really read the spider-man in the 80s i was more in the 90s and 2000s but right um they do provide little like hints on what happened um right but uh it was interesting and Something I always wondered about Spider-Man is uh, he always changes very quickly uh, and he always leaves his clothes behind. Does he like leave his wallet in there? Like what if someone found his wallet and they saw him leaving? They're like, oh my God, Peter Parker is Spider-Man? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I believe that was issue 364, Spectacular Spider-Man. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I, I know that one, one of the cool things they always show is he leaves his spy, his clothing webbed up. Like mm -hmm. if he changes in an alley, he'll leave it webbed up and go back and get it later. That's how you know not to touch it, right? They're yeah. like, oh, there's Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so Adam, so you just came on a few weeks ago. How does this issue compare to the last one you read? Um, actually, I wasn't a huge fan of this one. Mm, uh, to, okay. to be honest, uh, I do agree with some of the sentiment on the art. I think there's some great detail, like mm. that opening splash page you mentioned, where you have Adrian Toomes reaching for the newspaper. You can see the right. detail of liver right. spots on his hand. Mm -hmm. That's yep. great. There's other sections, though, where Spidey gets in those sort of spidey infamous weird positions and it seems very yeah. unnatural and awkward um there's this schism i notice in the art between details and the facial structure looking really good and then body positions looking like bendy dolls it just it, it's a weird thing i couldn't quite reconcile uh beyond that the story i didn't feel was that great because you had spider-man fighting the vulture Big whoop. We've seen this before. <laughs> it's happened since the 60s. And don't get me wrong, Vulture is a great villain when he's used effectively. There was just nothing about the Vulture in this issue that was not seen in even stuff that you could see in like the Stan Lee Ditko stuff from the 60s. For me, sure. it was sure. just retreading some of the same ground. Also, I do love on page 17, Spider-Man is fighting robots because comics. <laughs> yeah uh that's a good point uh josh what's your impression of this i mean you've been reading spidey now for 38 weeks so what do you think of this one right <laughs> uh i thought this one was pretty good uh i really appreciated the fact that they didn't have to go in and explain all of the little details of why the vulture is upset at this uh you know expo guy sure. uh we didn't have to read like two full pages of just backstory of how this guy has wronged him. It, he's the vulture. He's evil. We, we get that. You can just kind of just jump into him being pissed off at somebody and, and start that adventure. Sure. Um, but I think that it kind of stumbles when there's not much of a story connecting Spider-Man with vulture or the events like Spider-Man just kind of sees it on the news and then runs out to fight him. And then they start punching each other and Spider-Man's knocked out. So, yeah, I, I agree that it did kind of just turn into Spider-Man fights the Vulture. So, it, yeah, it, it was, but it was pretty good. It was still fun. I think the thing with me is I really did like the setup, but again, even when I was summarizing the story, I noticed that, well, once you get to the fight scene, that's pretty much it. 
So yep. virtually half the comic is Spider-Man and Vulture fighting. And so really, I think what's happened here is they've taken a story that could probably probably be done in one issue and just stretched over two, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Seems um, like it. But I definitely like... Oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I kind of... Like I said, I liked it and I do like it, but compared to the other two that we read, I feel this one was the weakest. Whoa. That's blasphemy. Interesting. Wait a minute. I, the second for, one? Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah. Not the weakest. Like for me, this was my favorite. But if that, you know, but if this was your least favorite, that's cool. But um, I guess let me put it this way: How do you, how does this one compare to the stuff that you read in the '90s, like the Clone Saga and all that, and Carnage and all that? Um, yeah, well, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I liked it, I liked but, it, but I, I felt it was kind of. I don't know. It's just. It's Something off about it for me. I, I did like it. Like, I, obviously, I knew the whole Vulture story. I, you can kind of jump into any Spider-Man comic, not really knowing exactly what transpired, just knowing that that's the bad guy. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not very helpful in my okay, reviews yeah. today. I, you know, I realize I'm just saying words. Like, is this even usable? I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna cut it all out okay so adam do you have anything else to say about this issue before we move on to the next one the, the only thing i want to say or to back up my point i feel like when i was on the spider cast last time we talked about the issue where spider-man was confronting gladiator yeah right well gladiator is kind of a b-grade villain i didn't sure. feel there was much progressing spider-man's story with that interaction but I still felt there was more narrative meat there. You have this conflict of this villain. You have Spider-Man who doesn't actually want to fight Gladiator because he's trying to redeem himself. Uh, there's some meat there. There's something a little better in terms of storytelling quality, whereas this is just Spidey's fighting Vulture again. And, you know, of all the, the good Vulture stories out there, this would not be in the top 10, probably not in the top 20. So I, I just feel... It's not horrible. It's an enjoyable, quick read. But, you know, would I go out of my way to recommend this to people? I'd be hesitant to. Yeah. I'll just yeah, ask I, you, I agree with that. Yeah. One more thing, though, Josh. Do you think that Bob Layton is more suited to John Romita Jr. than Jim Mooney? I don't know. I, that's that's tough because I, I really do like Jim Mooney, but I I really enjoyed the art in this issue, um, the, the inking especially. especially. Um, like you were saying, there's a lot of just like small little details added in. Um, mm. Like one thing that stood out to me was on uh, Digital 6, uh, sure. Peter is replacing a light bulb and you can see the writing on the light yeah. bulb. And it's yeah. not like... The, the panel itself is not overly detailed, but it's just, like, that small added detail that makes it feel real, and you, you buy it. Mm -hmm. sure. um, so I, I don't always get that with Jim Mooney, so it's definitely nice to have uh, Switch Up. Sure. Uh, I don't know which one I would say, like, better, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tough. think that maybe Jim Mooney is more graceful, but I mm. think that Bob Layton, I appreciate a different look at his yeah. like his inks provide a different perspective. They show a different side of John Romita Jr. Uh, would you recommend this issue, Josh? Um, I you know what I'm I'm not sure. I, maybe I'll wait till uh, next week when we review part two of this story, and maybe sure. I would recommend them together. But I don't think that again there was anything super special that I would go out of my way to recommend it. Sure. Okay, Dave, would yeah. you recommend this issue? Uh, 
I don't know if I would. I want to read part two. So I guess <laughs> okay. I would. I don't know. Well, there you go. There you go. They did their job. I, you know what? Again, not not the best issue, Spider-Man, but I would recommend it because, again, it just feels like a classic issue. Even though they did stretch out the story, I still like like the the style of uh, this type of story. And I, again, Bob Layton's art makes it a special treat to me. So that's enough for Amazing Spider-Man. Now we're gonna jump to. Oh, oh, wait, wait, Mike! What? I have one thing to ask about oh. Amazing Spider-Man before we jump. Sure. This just came to mind. Did anyone <laughs> else find it weird that the newspaper vendor? said he doesn't believe in Spider-Man. I mean, they're in the Marvel Universe where there's alien yeah. invasions and gods yeah. coming to Earth, and he doesn't believe that there's a guy in a red suit swinging around New York. I just I just want to throw that out there before we move on. The, the only thing I'll say is that they're in the West Coast. So as you know, Marvel superheroes all live in one city, New York, so it's possible. <laughs> and this is pre-internet, so uh, it's possible. The Vulture should have, should have said something. He should have said, I don't know about that, old man. I saw Spider-Man before. <laughs> yeah, that would <laughs> fix that. Plot hole. Anyway, okay. So now we're going to jump to Marvel Team-Up with Spider-Man and the Vision. Who's going to take this one again? Was it Dave? Yes. Dave Constantino, go ahead. Tell us what this story is about. So the Vision is like, I don't know what he is, really. But he he's, I guess he's good. And... Uh, then there's these evil robots coming that are disguised as well they're not disguised but they're all these super smart historical figures and it's weird and uh i don't know why they did that but uh <laughs> apparently they're being used for for not for good and uh mark twain is the leader kind of and uh and the vision robot mark twain. by saying the vision wants to see his wife, but instead he gets to see Mark Twain. And uh, <laughs> this fight ensues where they, they're trying to like, they're in this town. It's kind of like a horror movie almost where they're like, ah, oh, someone's killing someone. We got to we gotta convict Dostoevsky or whoever that guy was. And, and uh, I'm really failing at telling this story. But basically, uh, there's a killer and it's actually a robot. And then there's more robots. And there's also a big robot, uh, and then <laughs> we get into a big battle, and Spider-Man holds off for a long time. He wants to just watch and be like, oh, you know. And then, uh, then he has to fight everyone, and he shows that there's hope. And then Mark Twain and all the other historical robots are like, eh, fuck evil, we'll come back later. But I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, that's probably a terrible way of explaining it, but it feels like one of those issues that is trying to like, is the vision, I'm assuming the vision's from something else. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's from Avengers. Uh, he's so from Avengers. It's like, kind of like a crossover type thing. They're trying to be. Uh, well, yeah, every issue of Marvel okay. team up. I, is I just it, thought it, it was another Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. Okay. So, uh, it makes some more sense now, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it seems like one of those eighty movie eighties movies where you're like, they made this, and and you watched it, and then it's <laughs> over. So that's that's how I'm gonna end my review. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, Josh, can you? I couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. Uh, uh, that's yeah. pre pretty much pretty much how I feel about every Marvel team up. Um, yeah, the. This story was very weird and all over the place. We had this like 
weird subplot of a murderer on the loose, and it ends up being the police officer yeah. that like asks for their help. Uh, it's really unclear what the robots' motives are too. Like they're kind of good, but they're also bad. Uh, the police mm. officer decides to start a mob to go after the robot uh, mm. that that escapes. Um, uh, instead of like calling the other police officers, sure. I don't know. It's just everything. Everything just happens and is thrown at you all at once. And uh, there are definitely times where I had to stop and go back a few pages and reread because I just kept getting lost because everything yep. just started happening all at once. Like this one, this one for me was a tough read. It, uh, I. I when I finally got through it, I still was sitting there like, "What the hell just happened?" I don't, yep. I don't understand anything that just happened. Yeah, um, Adam. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I, I'll, I'll save my review for the last. But uh, Adam, what's your take on it? Uh, you know, I actually thought this was interesting. Uh, when we were talking the last week, I was on. We mentioned how this particular writer, I think it's uh, Dematatus or Dematias. Yeah, yeah J.M. Dematatus. Demetius, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, ha he has a kind of a faux Stan Lee style where it's very kind of officious and pompous, but it doesn't have quite the same flair or charm that Stan Lee's prose does. It comes across as a bit more pretentious. Yeah. Um, so so writing-wise, it's not the best, which is a shame because I actually didn't mind the issue being a bit more philosophical. Uh, you know, one aspect, Dave, you know, I, I know you were kind of rushing through, but one thing you didn't touch upon was the fact that these robots, the Mark Twain, the Lincoln, the Dostoevsky robots, they were created for evil. They were abandoned by their creator. Now they just kind of want to learn how it is to be human. That's why they approached Vision, because Vision is a type of synthetic android. So they want to learn what it's like to be human. And then you have this huge fight between Spider-Man and Big Robot at the end. Big Robot with a ball on his hand and appearing to wear a diaper. I'm not sure about that guy. <laughs> but, but that conflict, I thought, that actually had some good philosophical meat to it. That whole idea that these robots, they're not just, you know, cut out cardboard evil villains. They're... They're trying to be good guys, and you have this mob confronting them, and they basically walk away saying, we don't know if we can become human. We don't know if we want to become human. I think conceptually, this is a really good theme. I think this was interesting. The problem, as always, is in the execution, because clunky writing, inking is not the greatest in this issue, to say the least, and then... I know Josh talked about the killer storyline with Bob being the killer. That just felt very unsatisfying in the end. Yeah. And I felt like the killer storyline was kind of forgotten halfway through because there was all this stuff happening with robots and the vision. Um, I feel like it was really easy to overlook that whole storyline and not to mention the fact for a team up, Spider-Man and Vision don't really do anything together. They share like three panels and that's it you know i was excited when the story started because i thought like when we, when we opened up with the vision kind of just sitting by himself thinking and i was like oh finally finally just focus on a character keep it clean let's get inside the vision's head 
and then we introduce a robot and it's just like you know i mean i granted vision is an android but my point right. is, is it's almost <laughs> like for just two minutes we had the beginnings of, uh, of what could have been a good story but it's almost like dimitius was like oh i forgot i'm writing a superhero comic i gotta throw in some crap so he throws this in and then the rest of the story it's just again it's like what was the, was he really burning to tell a story where we had Dostoevsky as a as a robot and all these other famous people's robots? It's just again, it's like there's always like he is a good writer. He has skill. There's always good themes, but it's like again, he just throws a bunch of crap at a wall to see what sticks. That's what I feel like every issue is. Even again, when it starts out good, it always falters in the execution. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I'll say again is it still feels. It's like. It's like a bad hamburger, but it's still a hamburger. It still feels good. The art is still decent, but I did not, I can't explain it. It's like, I didn't hate reading it, but I didn't enjoy reading it. I didn't, I couldn't follow it. It's like, it's that, we talked about this on previous episodes where it's like the writing's pushing me out and Roger Stern's writing is pulling me in. I, I think, think that's yeah. the Adam was right about, it had some interesting ideas. <laughs> it just wasn't really executed that well. Um, yeah, and, and what's the deal with the big blue fist there, the robot? Uh, is he in other issues? Is he from the, I don't know, they just, he just appears? Yeah. This Alpha or whatever his name is? Oh. I, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, I thought it was blue could, fist. Oh, he has a name? I was calling him Ballbot. <laughs> no, it says Alpha, his, his only appearance is this issue, Alpha. Wow. That's what I mean, it's like... Interesting. Yeah, he's with those androids, uh, right? Like when we when Vision first goes to to the abandoned building that he feels like compelled to go to, mm-hmm. that's who first confronts him there. And then we don't. I don't think we see him until the end conflict where he shows up and starts like fighting Vision and Spider Man. And then once the the other androids walk away, he walks away with them. So I think mm-hmm. he's also one of the abandoned robots, but like, I guess more of like a like primitive version of these androids, and like that could have been an interesting storyline where like they kind of fall in between this primitive like caveman robot and Vision, who is this like super smart emotional uh, superhero robot. And like have that conflict within them, uh, in, within them of not knowing who they are, and they were made by the same creator of this caveman. Why won't why why shouldn't they act like him too? And then kind of have that like those moments, and, and that make that uh, what the story is about. But instead, we have this weird subplot with the this murderer that doesn't really like matter in the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like did. I don't remember. Does he have a motive for killing people, or is he just killing people? I don't remember them ever talking about why it's him. Oh, he hates people. That's it. That's what he says. Everyone deserves to die because people are the worst. Like, pretty much verbatim. That's what he says in the issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) You know, I, I will say about this, I feel like the issue is two different stories trying to be told. You have this almost in the heat of the night story about Spider-Man coming to a small town, trying to help the police force solve this murder. And then you have this almost Raymond Bradbury story about these robots wanting to become human. And 
-hmm. neither really gel with each other. I think both are kind of interesting in their own way. And I, I will say, at least conceptually, this issue is much stronger than the, the issue of Marvel Team-Up that we read together uh, those two weeks ago. But yeah, um, no, there was this, a sense of almost too many ingredients in the pot here. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I would never recommend this and I never want to read it again. That's my take yeah. on it. Uh, Josh, what do you think? No, I'm in the same boat. The The problem with Marvel Team-Up is it's... It, feel, it always feels like a commercial for a comic that's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. never feels like he belongs in these uh, in these issues. And the stories never really flush together properly. Uh, and I, I just, I really don't like this book. I, I really don't like Marvel Team-Up. No. There, there's been, there's only been a few issues out of all of, like all, what, 40 that we've yeah. read so far that have been like somewhat enjoyable. I agree. I agree. And we've even gone through two different writers and it still hasn't really improved. Yeah. Like three different artists. Yeah, I know. I agree. So uh, Dave, what's your take compared to 90 Spidey? How do you compare this one? Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't like it. It's okay. <laughs> Here's my question. It, I wouldn't recommend it just because it's kind of hard to follow, to be honest. Mm-hmm. If you're following comics and you know everything that's going on, maybe you'll then go, okay. But I still think if you were following at the time, you'd read this and go, oh, God. But how many of these Marvel team-ups were there? Do they still do this? No, there was 150. 150? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Yeah, like Adam was saying and some of the people were saying here, it definitely has some really cool, interesting ideas. I think if they would have maybe focused on some of those a little more, like they could have just focused on the whole robot thing about mm-hmm. the philosophical thing. I think that would have been a super stronger story, but I don't know if that's the point of these comics. They seem like, I don't know, maybe it was Josh that was saying, they seem like kind of like advertisements for other things. Yeah. Cause yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. Uh, you know what? And I, this this comic has never been reprinted, and I think there's a reason for that. I don't think anyone wants to read this, unfortunately. So with that, we're going to jump to Peter Parker, yeah. the Spectacular Spider-Man 78. And Adam, you can tell us what this one's about. Okay, so going through the issue, this is recontinuing, or pardon me, this is just continuing the story that was going on in Spectacular at the time. The gang war is happening between Owl and Doc Ock. And here... We're finally revving up for the big battle. It's getting close. Spider-Man starts the issue sneaking into Felicia Hardy's hospital room, who is otherwise known as the Black Cat, uh, to give her some flowers. And there is an enclave of policemen coming in, shocked. How could you sneak in here? Um, So, of course, there's a little bit of conflict between uh, the police and Spider-Man, but it's quickly resolved. And Spider-Man and Black Cat have a bit of a character moment Black Cat talks about essentially a near-death experience she had while being in the hospital where she saw her father in a dream. And then her and Spider-Man just show affection. When Felicia's mom walks in, Spider-Man takes that as his cue to web away. And at that point, Spider-Man is basically coming to terms with the fact that he has to fight Dr. Octopus in a day. And he feels that he might not win. And he's thinking, is this it for me? I might actually have to prepare for the fact that this will be my last battle. So he spends the issue 
going through all these different interactions, he asked J. Joma Jensen, JJJ, uh, for top dollar for his pictures of Spider-Man. He goes around talking to uh, his college professor, telling him basically to shove it, that he doesn't care about all his criticisms that he has over Parker's work. And he has this basically last meal with his friends, all under the guise and this knowledge that this will probably be his last fight. Uh, I mentioned The Last Supper. There's even an image that kind of mimics that on one of the pages. Uh, Anyway, as the issue goes on, he also sees his Aunt May again to give a very warm, heartfelt farewell to her until he returns to the hospital. He is saying goodbye to Felicia, and he's almost about to remove his mask, where she says, no, show me your face after you win, after you come back from this battle, showing that she has hope that he'll succeed. And then the issue ends with him coming out the window to see Doc Ock climbing up the side of the building to be continued in the next issue. Um, So there we are, my very brief synopsis of Spectacular Spider-Man this week. I gotta say, I don't like the idea of stretching this out yet another issue, probably three or four issues past when it should have ended, but the way they did it was actually good. And I gotta admit that I think your summary made me like it even more, because I was getting really fed up with this, but after hearing your review or your summary, I was like, actually, it was pretty good. And as I flipped through the issue and looked at the art again, the art was even better than I remember. Um, So yeah, definitely better than I thought as I was reading it. Uh, Josh, what do you think? No, I, I have the same sentiment uh, as you, Mike. I think that the thing is, too, is they've stretched out this Felicia Hardy being in the hospital story for way too many issues. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it almost feels like at this point a little too late. Like, I wish this is what this is the story that we got from the beginning. But we've had, like, we've had Felicia in the hospital and then some villain comes in and tries to kill her and then she... Like, just as she's, like, getting better, and she's back in, you know, intensive care. And then she's finally feeling better, and then something else happens, and she's in intensive care again. And even before that, like, every time she appears, she's she dies, or she disappears. So it's just, like, it's just so tiring to see her, like, constantly on the brink of death. Uh, and Peter kind of, like, having this, you know inner conflict all the time. So I think it was really well done in the story. I think that personally, I'm just like over it, but I think this is the, this is the, the, the best I've seen of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree. It's one of those things. It's like the law of diminishing returns. Like, yeah, it's decent, but we don't care anymore. Right. 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 So Adam, what's your take on it? Um, I, I don't want to overstate it, but I kind of love this issue. Okay. This had this had everything I wanted from a Spider-Man issue from this era, which was character development. Mm-hmm. We have Peter Parker, after years of just dogging it with JJJ, finally going up to Jonah and saying, no, you give me top dollar or I'm going to expose this film and you're not going to have all this footage. That shows a certain intensity, a certain... Um, well, I have to say assertiveness from Peter, I haven't seen. And and the thing I usually don't like when Spider-Man's written poorly is that Peter is just so self-loathing and he's insufferable. Here, he's going through conflict, but he's actually doing something about it. He's trying to have uh, some sort of reconciliation with his friends, with his Aunt May. 
And then beyond that, like the character moments between him and Felicia are genuinely sweet. They actually show that there's a substantial relationship between them. It's just not Peter sitting next to the bed of a sexy lamp where she's not doing anything. (laughs) She actually has some agency. That scene where she tells Peter, don't show me your face, show it to me after you fight him, just gives that sort of confidence he needs to battle him. And I just thought, this is an arc that not only shows how you could write a good Spider-Man story in the 80s, but you could still write a good one now, where Spider-Man is actually facing the gravity of what he does, where he's thinking, I could die. That it actually made me know that Spider-Man, Spider-Man felt fear. And even though I know he lived, I mean, obviously there's been 30, 40 plus years of Spider-Man comics after this. It's still that thing where I've genuinely felt worried for him going through that. And I thought that was a sign of effective writing. Um, The art was really well done. The coloring, the inking compared to the last issue of Spectacular. I just overall, there was nothing I could complain about. Um, Yeah, some of the dialogue had that 80s clunkiness to it in parts, but overall... This was fantastic. I really loved this. And I think this is a good way to show how to write a good Spider-Man story. I think I have to point out, too, that the art, it's still Al Milgram, but he's not doing full pencils. He's doing layouts. And Jim Mooney's doing the finished art. So I think what's happening is is Al Milgram is kind of roughly placing the figures, but Jim Mooney's going in and drawing everything. That's why you'll notice the art, like Adam said, is much better this issue. Because I think it's essentially drawn by Jim Mooney. I mean, Al Milgram's storytelling has always been decent. and But here, it, it looks kind of plain. But I think that lends itself to the feel of this book. Like, Jim Mooney is, is a Silver Age artist. And I think it gives it that Silver Age feel. There's one issue, that one sorry page that really stands out. And that's the one where Dr. Octopus is first in the, the, in the sewer. Uh, sewer on page digital yeah. 13. That's so well done. I thought that was excellent. But um, there's one person we haven't heard from yet. Sorry, Dave. Dave, what's your take on this issue? Uh, this was my favorite of the three. I really liked this. I always really liked the Dr. Octopus villain storyline. I don't know why. Even as a kid, I loved it. But uh, the story was strong. I really liked it. I agree with a lot of Adam's points. One of my favorite uh, like parts drawing-wise was when they showed the Black Cat's dream, the way they drew it. I really yeah. liked that. Uh, the colors and, and the way they did it didn't seem lame or whatever, you know, like sometimes, you know, a dream sequence or whatever can be done anyway. But I like the way that that was done. And I, I felt it was the strongest, actually, of the three that we read. And I really liked it. To be honest, I, I totally, I don't know too much about the whole Black Cat, Peter Parker, Spider-Man thing. I Well, what I was going to say is I think... One of the reasons why you two probably liked it more than Josh and I is that, like we were saying, we've kind of seen this repeat, this story kind of duplicated like five times in a row. Right. And so I think the impact is is uh, diluted for us. But I can see that if it was your first or second time reading a chapter in this story, you'd be able to appreciate its strengths more. But I think we're kind of just dulled to the pain, you know? Right. Uh, I definitely think it's good. But and it, after hearing you two both talk about it, it makes me appreciate it more. But I definitely think we need to wrap this up. And thank God, next issue is the conclusion of this storyline. Even though I thought we already had the conclusion in 75. This is now another conclusion. Yeah. Like, like I think it, I don't think it was the last issue. I think it was the issue before. Like, he, Doc Ock is the one that 
like knocked Black Cat out to put her in the hospital, but then Spider-Man came in and saved her and like ripped off his arms. So she's in the hospital. Somebody tried to kill her, so she went into ICU and then like recovered. And then Doc Ock shows up to like rip out her oxygen and then runs away again. Like, it just uh-huh. feels... And, and so she, like, slips into a coma again, and then now she's finally awake for, like, the third time, and it's just, like... It just feels so... uh Yeah. It, it, it feels played out at this point for me. I, I, I 100% agree, though. I think the Peter Parker stuff is very strong in this issue. Um, him uh, standing up to uh, Jameson, uh, him saying goodbye to his friends and realizing that, like the weight of the situation and if he really wants to take him out uh once and for all uh to save the woman that he loves it might mean his own life so i really love that side of the story i just yeah it's a shame that we've i feel feel like the reason why it's happening we've seen over and over again um but yeah, it's like it's like having pizza every day for a month, and then the you know the last day of the month you have the best pizza ever. It's also kind of like yeah, it's pizza. That's you know, kind it's of like... yeah, that's kind of like the eleven <laughs> times I've been to Taco Bell since quarantine started. Yeah, it kind of starts to lose its appeal. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think I'll have to agree with I believe Dave and Adam. I think this might be the best issue. This I don't know, I don't know. It's between this and Amazing, definitely because. Team up was terrible. I think objectively it's the best one. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, amazing. I enjoyed reading better just because it felt a little bit more fresh to me. Um, yeah. From, you know, from what I've been reading lately. Yeah. So uh, I guess the next question is Dave. Overall, what's your impression of these particular uh, Spidey comics versus the ones you read as a kid? I think they all have qualities to them that make them good well most of them um um, now that i I, i'm just kind of remembering there was always like how many different spider-mans were there There there's amazing spider-man spectacular spider-man there was a couple right a couple yeah i forget there was one i used to buy all the time because i used to like the stories better and i can't remember which one it was it might have been Amazing Spider-Man. I don't remember. Probably, but, but it was different writers at that point. It was different, right. Yeah, yeah, different writers, different time, different art. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still think, like I said, the third one, the first one I read, I was like, okay, this one's not bad. Second one I read, I'm like, oh. And then the last one I read, I'm like, oh, this is really great. So I don't know. I, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, it was like a Spider-Man sandwich in the middle was like spoiled mayonnaise. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, top, the top layer was uh, like bread. A lot of you food know, analogies maybe, this week. I think we're all hungry, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe the top layer was like bread that's like still good, but like it's getting close to getting mold. But the last piece is like fresh bread. So it's like a combination of everything you want and don't want in one. Uh, that three sounds pack. exactly like the contents of my kitchen right now. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. You know what uh, that means, listeners? Another night of Taco Bell for Mike. Yes, you got that right. Okay. <laughs> so I definitely would like to thank Dave Constantino and Adam Pelche for joining us. We'll definitely, you know, we'll be glad to have you guys back on again. Yeah, uh, you'll be happy to know these stories all continue next month. So feel free to read them on your own, even if you're not on the show. Um, and then, uh, Josh, you can take it from here. 
Yeah, we also want to thank uh, the listeners for uh, for listening to the podcast. It really helps when uh, you leave us a review or a comment, uh, so you can find us um, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. So Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, you can find us on YouTube, uh, or you can you know leave us a review or send us a message over at Twitter at HCT Spidercast. Uh, if you guys send us a tweet, we'll make sure to uh, like and respond, and uh, we want to keep that conversation going and see what you guys think about the episodes and the uh, the issues we're talking about. So, yeah, that's right. And every week we review three to four Bronze Age Spider-Man comics. Uh, next week we'll be doing some guest appearances, so please be sure to join us for that. And until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right, see you then. Ah!